0: Welcome back to Tag Team, everyone, the Pokemon Trading Card Games Premiere Podcasting Duo. My name's JW Crewall, and I'm joined by my good friend JW Crewall. How's it going, JW? Oh, pretty well. Doing just fine. How are you, JW? Oh, I'm doing well as well. Where's Riley? Yeah, that's a good question. Riley is he's doing work things. You know how it goes. I forgot until just the last second that Riley would uh, be gone. So that's really on me that you're just hearing, hearing me today. Um, But we still have an amazing episode for you tonight. It's time we talk about the meta. We've kind of circled around the meta game, but it's time we give our, our opinions, our, our tier list, if you will, for this set for this, uh, you know, for this, this time period right now, um, there's a lot of things happening, a lot of new decks, just a ton of decks overall. And it can be really overwhelming to sort through for even casual players, but even the competitive players have a really hard time right now, deciding which decks to choose, what decks are good matchups and things like this. So I'm going to give you my top choices for this meta game. But before I get into that, let's talk a little bit about what everyone comes to tag team podcast to learn about. And that is Twitter controversy this week in Twitter world. I don't know. People make the jokes that, Oh, I can't go on Twitter anymore because I just get upset. Or they, they make the meme where they open the keyboard and the laptop and they see Twitter and then they close the laptop immediately. And I don't know for me, I I really enjoy Twitter, but This week on Twitter was the great shuffle debate. You say, yeah, what is that? You know, maybe some of you are saying, what is that? Uh, The great shuffle debate of 2021 was spurred by Tord Recklove's tweet saying, PSA, please don't ever riffle shuffle your opponent's deck. You should also stick to mash shuffling instead. So Tord is kind of assuming that you know, maybe there are people out there that don't know that you actually aren't supposed to riffle shuffle your opponent's deck. Like maybe they don't know that that's bad manners on the surface. That seems like a very, you know, innocent tweet, right? Like, you know, maybe there are people that haven't played and they just don't know not to riffle shuffle. I have never had that happen in my 12 years of playing. Never once has somebody picked up my deck and riffle shuffled. Now it's still something good for people to know, but there was this big kind of uproar caused by the tweet. And that's, I think the real interesting thing is like Tord. I don't think meant this like maliciously, he wasn't trolling anyone. He wasn't doing this uh, out of malice, but it brought a lot of people to the comments saying, you know, I, you know, anyone that, that riffle, shuffles decks, you know, should be go. Uh, you know, straight to straight to heck. They should go straight to heck. They should, you know, never be able to to play in an event ever again. You know, there's people go off like on a freaking tangent talking about Oh my gosh, I can't you know, I'm gonna sell my cards after. Why would somebody ever riffle shuffle? I, I can't believe they're gonna damage the cards. Don't they know it? And it's just it is too much. So of course I had to chime in and I had to say, you know. Spending all this money to go to regionals, you know, that's, that's fun. But the real great, the real nice thing about going to regionals is riffle shuffling someone's max rarity deck. That's the nicest thing. And I got a few comments and people messaged me and they're like, man, that's, that's not a very nice thing to do. That's, that's really rude of you to do. You should never riffle shuffle. Okay. I get it. Nobody, nobody's actually going to riffle shuffle.
1: Just, just chill. TCG Twitter. Just chill. You're okay. We're gonna get through this. Okay,
0: on to the tier list. Let's talk a little bit about what we got going on in the world of poke. So Fusion Strike is hot and heavy right now, and there's a lot of things to cover. So I got my personal tier list. Riley, I'm sure, is in somewhat of a alignment here on what I think is good. Obviously, the number one deck should be no surprise. But I think leading up to that, there might be a few things that might make you turn your head. We'll get Raleigh's thoughts on that in a following week. But for me, the number 10 best deck in the format right now is Rapid Strike Inteleon. Now, it seems like a deck with a lot of potential. The VMAX obviously having that sniping ability to discard a water energy, hit your opponents, bench Pokemon, two of them for 20 damage. Does 140 damage, picks up an energy back to hand, and you can loop that turn after turn. You're going to get the energy back to hand. Might be able to Sheryl heal your opponent's attack. It's not really something we see in the format right now. A lot of heavy uh, healing-based decks, but Rabbit Strike and Talion is that deck that can just consistently heal turn after turn, negating any advantage that the opponent's trying to Trying to get attacks for one energy does pretty meager damage, but again, you figure that you're going to mitigate your opponent's advances with the Sheryls, all while dealing 140 damage, possibly more, depending on if you play water energy. The reason that this deck I don't think has picked up much ground is that I don't believe there's a perfected list for it. We've seen some lists that include water energy, some lists that don't include water energy, some lists that are really focused on healing, some lists that aren't focused on healing. Can't quite say how best to play it because I still need to get my reps in with that deck in particular, but Rapid Strike and Talion still has a long way to go to kind of feel like we're in optimal territory or or widely recognized as being, um, you know, the best version of the deck. So Coming in at number 10, Rapid Strike, I can tell you. Number nine, our first dark deck in what will surely be a theme of this tier list, Gengar. Gengar VMAX, deck I'm really excited about. I love it. I think across the board, has really nice matchups. You know, you're looking at maybe Leafeon as being a bad matchup. Um, you're looking at, oh, potentially, you know, Eternatus being a bad matchup potentially something like Jolteon being able to snipe your bench dudes as being a bad matchup. But you're smacking around Mew. I mean, it is close to having an auto win. I don't think it's the most auto winny deck that you can get against Mew V Max. And I'll talk about that in just a second, but it's right up there Two energy. You know, unless the opponent plays fan of waves or crushing hammer in that Mew deck, they're probably not getting around your Gengar. That thing is eating you up. For breakfast, spitting you out, and probably eating you again for lunch, and then spitting you out, and then eating you again for dinner, and then spitting you out like Angar. uh certainly has to be in the conversation again, just because of that Mew V Max matchup. Because we've been talking a lot about Mew V Max, a lot of content creators talking about Mew V Max having little to no negative matchups. I don't think that's truly the case, um, but amongst a lot of the top tier decks, Mew can certainly outclass. Gengar, not one of them also put it on the tier list here. Azul really likes the deck. You know, there's a couple of ways we can go with Gengar too. another list that isn't quite perfected. Do you go with the slimmer Houndoom version? Do you go with kind of a higher Houndoom version? Like do you play Inteleon? No Inteleon. I like the version where it's just Gengar and, uh, and Houndoom. And then you play turbo like -er Cramermatic, And Battle VIP Pass, I think that is probably the best way to play it, in my opinion. So, go with that if you're looking to play Gengar. Coming in at number eight, and kind of a product of the dark decks that are just smoking the rest of this tier list, is Leafeon. This is, I kind of qualify this as like an old faithful style deck. It's not going to do anything cute. It's not particularly strong. We've seen a rise in the number of stadiums that most decks are playing. So it feels kind of, you know, like you're always on edge about whether or not you're going to have your Galar mine in play every single turn. Cause I think a lot of stadiums or a lot of decks right now are playing, you know, three, four stadiums. So you might not even be hitting for the maximum amount of damage. You're not going to be hitting mew for all that much, even with a Galar in play, but you do take some really strong matchups against the, the, the dark decks of the format, particularly the dark weak deck or the, the grass weak decks of the format. So anything with an Umbreon in it,
1: you're pretty happy to see. Moving in to number seven. Now, this might be controversially
0: high for some of you out there. You might think to yourselves, JW, you are maybe overhyping this deck for no reason. But I really do feel it has a place in the metagame, if only because it's the one deck in the entire format that has a 100 to 0 matchup against Mew VMAX. And that deck is Eternatus VMAX. You cannot lose to Mew. I, I will prove it to you. Go watch my latest YouTube video. You cannot lose to Mew VMAX. You take that to the bank. If you ever lose to Mew VMAX, I'll personally give you a refund from your purchase of this podcast. Personally, I will do it. I promise you. Cannot lose. Unlosable matchup. You know, you say, well, JW, the Mew decks,
1: they have the Latias. Certainly they can stall out, you know, a few turns. Absolutely not. You can gust around that. You can maybe escape rope around that. You can Umbreon around that. You can play Moltres V. A lot of ways to get around it. You do take some bad matchups, Suicune and
0: Urshifu, but again, that auto win against Mew, you have so much HP. They don't have an opportunity to one-hit KO the Eternatus VMAX unless they stick a stadium in play unless they stick that old cemetery in play. There's no way for them to get a one shot on that V-Max, which eliminates a lot of worry for the eternity stack, right? You're not going to be worried about whether or not that V-Max is going to stick around for a long time. Now you're going to struggle. Urshfu is certainly uh, on the rise. I would say it was kind of down in the doldrums. Certainly the, the rapid strike Urshifu down in the doldrums, down in the dumps there for a while seeing a bit of a resurgence. We obviously always have to worry about single-strike Urshifu. But against the best deck in the format, having a 100-0 to matchup has a place. And it comes in at number seven. Number six, along the same vein, I don't want to talk about this deck for too long, but is Obstagoon. So we've talked about this in previous podcasts as being kind of that fun rogue deck, the one-prize deck of the format. There's really not other one-prize decks that are even sniffing tournament-ready play. Maybe Malamar, Rapid Strike Malamar. But Obstagoon, that Dark Weakness, again, having a pretty good matchup into Mew. Would I rather take Eternatus or Obstagoon? I think I'd probably actually rather take Eternatus into that Mew V-Max matchup. But Eternatus struggles against some of the other decks that Obstagoon can uh, at least have a little bit of a better time with. So Obstagoon here at number six a viable one prize deck. This is going to be just a little bit of a shorter episode today. So we are hopping right in to our card of the day. Now, this was a card that I'm trying to build it up a little bit. This is a card that you can only play one of in your deck. So, okay. That should already should, warning bell should be going off in your head. It's an a spec. Okay. It's an a nice spec. And this was a card that I changed in my list of my first regionals winning deck in the registration line. So back in the day, there wasn't Arcanine Labs. You didn't submit everything online. You actually had to wait in a registration line. They took your deck. They took your list. It's very similar to like a league cup where they, you would hand in a paper list, but this was at a regionals and there were like 400 people there.
1: We all stood in line. I was standing in line, and I was thinking to myself, "Man, I would love a way to
0: manipulate energy such that I could get a giant Mewtwo EX going." Because the deck that I was playing was Verizion Mewtwo. So what you would do is you take Verizian EX, use that to accelerate energy onto your Mewtwo's, and then just go swinging in with Mewtwo to close the game out. And I was like, well, I wish there was a way to just build up a giant Mewtwo. Now, I played Energy Switch in that list, but I wanted something a little bit better. And so I went with the card Scramble Switch, Ace Spec card. It actually fulfilled two purposes for me. The first purpose is, of course, being able to build up those huge attackers. So Scramble Switch, it allows you to switch your active to a bench Pokemon and then move Energy from that active to the bench Pokemon. So it fulfilled that of being able to, you know, kind of move energy off of the active that may have, you know, taken a hit and put it onto the bench Pokemon that you want to attack with, um, you know, now, but what it also provided was a switch out and that was very valuable because you wanted to have all the different ways to, you know, as many different ways to get out Frisian EX as possible on that second turn of the game. Right, you want to attach to it first turn, and then attach to it second turn, and be able to use its attack. Accelerate some energy from the deck. So you wanted as many switch outs as you could play as well. I think I had it was either three switch in the scramble switch or four switch in the scramble switch. But certainly, a a game winning card in a lot of situations. I will
1: never, never talk bad about scramble switch. What a card fulfilled a niche that it
0: needed to fulfill. I don't know that scramble switch has ever won or ever been in another
1: regionals winning deck. I don't know. I may have made history. I don't want to speak too soon. Been a lot of regional since then, but scramble switch. You'll always have a place in my heart. Speaking of having a place in my heart, it's the holiday season don't you know someone or or maybe maybe you want to treat yourself this year
0: with a nice stocking stuffer from manscaped thank you so much to manscaped for sponsoring the podcast tonight
1: manscaped has the tools to guarantee you win this year's white elephant
0: guarantee you win favor Amongst relatives, friends, family. Manscaped is the leader in men's below the waist grooming, and they have served more than four million men worldwide. I wouldn't be surprised if by the time this episode airs, that number has gone out of you know, out of viability. Like if it's actually five million men. I always wonder about that on McDonald's signs. You know, they say over. 99 million served. Like surely that would have changed since they put up that sign. I digress over 4 million men served worldwide. So get 20% off plus free shipping at manscaped.com
1: with code tag team. Imagine if Delibird comes down your chimney this year and gives you a
0: manscaped product. You could be that. For someone else, or you could treat yourself. Do your Voltorbs right. 20% off plus free shipping at manscaped.com with code tag team.
1: That's code tag team at manscaped.com. Check it out. You might enjoy it. Manscaped.com, code tag team. Coming in at number five
0: on our tier list. Rapid Strike Urshifu VMAX. Now, this is a
1: deck that kind of fell off everyone's radar at the start of the format. And it's slowly creeping back because that's just kind of what Urshifu does. Turns out sniping is good. Turns out playing fighting, like fighting is, is just a generally good type. You're swinging into Jolteons for weakness. You're swinging into Gengars for weakness. But then also you could play it with the Moltres. And I really
0: think that's where the deck shines. I've always thought that. I still think that, right? Moltres is so good into Mew VMAX now you just got to play it. So Moltres, where do I think Moltres can actually work? Because the problem with Moltres against Mew is that Mew has so much access to the opponent's benched Pokemon. And so much ability to knock out opponent's bench Pokemon that you need to be able to build up a Moltres in one turn. So what we're seeing from these Rapid Strike Urshfu lists is that they're playing not only an increased Moltres count. I think three is the correct number. Honestly, I, I really believe it. I've said that for the longest time. If you're playing Rapid Strike or Shifu Moltres, play three Moltres. Play as much basic energy as you possibly can because you need those Moltres to pop turn after turn after turn after turn. But the way that these players are getting Moltres into play powered up in one turn is with Raihan. And so you're seeing an increased count of Raihan to Raihan. Possibly three Raihan. It's not for the urshifu I mean, it it is for the urshifu like that. That's just a good card generally, but it's more so for the Multress. You can slap a Multress down, Raihan an energy to it, attach another energy from hand, and then use the Dire Flame Wings ability on the Multress. He all of a sudden, he got one whipped up. And even if you're on the four prize turn, you potentially have another chance to do that again the next turn. So if you're playing into the V Max. They can start really hot, absolutely. But if you're playing into the Mew VMAX deck and they only take two prizes on their first knockout, then you have the opportunity to go double Moltres into their
1: Mews for two straight KOs. It's not the easiest deck to play. I'll give you that. But it's one that I think more players should be playing.
0: And again, that Raihan Moltres combo is what makes the deck even remotely viable. So if you're thinking about this list and you're thinking about testing it, that is kind of where I would look. Increase your count to three if you haven't already. And then test two or three Raihan. What makes more sense? How many basic energy do I play? Still think it's a good deck. I think it should be played a little bit more than it is. But coming in at number five, I think there are some little bit better decks maybe a little bit more consistent decks that we can look to certainly one of the most consistent decks in the format suicune coming in at number four you got some nice consistency with the melanie decks are loading their bench we're seeing a lot more battle vip pass in decks or you know things like Eternatus, which is just going to want to fill their bench all the time Suicune's is nice suicune is a very wholesome deck does have some one hit KO potential. I think you probably do want to include Ludi Colo in the lists. But it's just a little bit outclassed by Jolteon. Has a good matchup into the Suicune. Mew actually does have a good matchup into the Suicune, especially with Old Cemetery. We can just talk about that math for just a second. So if they stick an old cemetery down with the Mew and you attach an energy to a Suicune, you're gonna take 20 damage off the cemetery. So then even if you attach a Cape of Toughness, the Mew deck now only needs one single power tablet to knock you out if you have those two damage counters on. So it's something to think about there. That matchup is, I find, like bad for Suicune if the Mew doesn't play the Old Cemetery, and like pretty horrible for Suicune if the Mew does play Old Cemetery. So just think about that. And then Leafyon's not a particularly good matchup either. But even so, Suicune, I mean, it's just consistent. You're drawing cards all the time. You got the Inteleon engine. You got some one-hit KO potential. You're doing good work against most of the format, but you're going to take a bad matchup to Jolteon. You're going to take a, a pretty bad matchup to, to Mew again, especially depending on what stadiums
1: they play. So Suicune coming in at number four on the list. Number three, and the best deck if you want to play Path, to the peak.
0: Jolteon VMAX. Jolteon VMAX has kind of supplanted Dragapult VMAX as being the snipe path deck of the format. We all kind of thought, oh, maybe Dragapult could hold its own, but we're really seeing now that there's just too much dark in the format.
1: Single Strike Urshifu, Obstagoon, Gengar, you Gengar, know, Umbreon just solo decks. Like there's so
0: much dark right now that it's impossible to, um, to play a deck as, as slow as Dragapult, right? Cause Dragapult doesn't even take one shots. You're using your supporters for the turn to draw cards as opposed to Mew,
1: which can use its supporter, you know, from turn one on to, to gust things. So you just you're just much slower than the Mu deck.
0: Uh, you just cannot compete with the with the dark decks, all the dark decks in the format right now. But Path is not to be underestimated. You
1: still got a lot of abilities right now. Just going down the list: Eternatus. Moltres, V, Umbreon, Genesect V.
0: Suicune. I mean, there's so many good abilities right now. Path of the Peak not to be undersold can stick at the right time you go Path, Arnie
1: Tail as old as time. Call up Bell call up the Beast Jolteon solid deck you're going to struggle with the fighting decks that goes without saying but against much else you give yourself
0: a very strong chance. I mean, even against the fighting decks, path is strong. Path is very strong. Marnie is very strong. Jolteon's on solo maintenance, you can really
1: get away with running higher counts of those two cards and punishing your opponent. Single Strike Urshifu is number two. I don't think that's a surprise. Everyone should know that I really am
0: a, uh, a big fan of Single Strike Urshifu. Now, I like the turbo build of the single strike. Archer. I have been playing with both the standard build and then the build that has chromomatic and VIP pass. And I really have had a bent towards that list because I find that in the single strike deck, there's certainly a number of cards that you want to include, but kind of the simpler, the better. And you really just want as many ways to get out Pokemon on that first turn as possible. That sets yourself up for winning or losing at the end of the game. It's like whether or not you can get two Houndour out with an
1: attacker, with an energy, right? And if you can do that, you're probably in pretty good shape. So I like to play it with the Kramimatics. I like to play it
0: with the Battle VIP Pass. I think that's just the way to go. I think that's just the way to go. You're free to disagree with me. Leave a nasty comment on this podcast saying "JW, you
1: idiot." Single strike who doesn't need battle VIP pass. What are you talking about, bro? But I really do believe, in my heart of hearts, that the turbo build is where you should go. Now you're taking
0: good matches to Mew. You're taking a good matchup to Jolteon.
1: You're doing nice things against things like Eternatus. You're giving yourself a shot in every single matchup. It's just the consistency
0: factor. Now, people are saying Mew has a you know, 50-50 with single strike. I haven't personally seen that. It's not. It's not a horrible matchup, but I still feel like it's solidly in Single Strike's favor. I've played, you know, a handful of times in that matchup, right? So, so again, that's that's a personal bias. The data actually suggests that there is a 50-50 matchup. Um, I don't quite know why. Again, the consistency probably plays, you know, a major role in that. But from my perspective, I haven't found that to be the case. Single Strike has won probably about 65% of the time over the Mew. In any case, coming in at number one, no surprise, Mew V Max, the most consistent deck of the format. It just does what it needs to do every single turn. It has one hit KO potential, and I firmly, firmly, firmly believe the way to play Mew V Max, not with Peony. No, you're playing it with Crammatics, Great card for the deck. Battle VIP Pass, pretty good card for the deck. I think Kram-O-Matic may maybe a little bit better for the card because it can reduce the amount of cards that you have in hand
1: while also digging any card out of the deck potentially. But Mew, so strong across the board, consistent, fast, one hit KO potential.
0: Doesn't really have a lot of tricks. I actually I was thinking about this today. I was like. How nasty would it be if they had given Mew VMAX like one more different attacker that did something just a little bit different? Like what if they had given the Mew deck another basic Pokemon that could spread or something? You know, how much better would it be? I I don't know. People have been playing Meloetta in the deck. I like that. Oricorio
1: probably should be out by now. Meloetta in the deck. No or choreo, and then just play a turbo. Duh, screw the peony.
0: I really like higher counts of Elisa Sparkle. I put that out on videos this week, where I played a couple of different builds of Mew V But the higher, like three Elisa
1: Sparkle, because the thing about the Mew is that if you can get a turn one Elisa Sparkle going second, then you can threaten. Those Sobble that your opponent might be playing. Those Houndour that your
0: opponent might be playing, right? That's super valuable to get that first knockout. It means that you don't have to go through two V-Max Pokemon. You can go through a V and a V-Max.
1: Or two Vs and a one Prizer. I I, I really think the three Alisa
0: Sparkle is the way to go. And, and trust me, if you haven't played it, if you're, if you're down to two, just try it. It gives your deck a little bit more aggressiveness and like even swinging into a V Pokemon for 70 damage. You know, again, assuming that they don't get a one-shot knockout on their next turn, assuming they can't do 180 damage to you on the next turn, you're setting yourself up for success by doing that little 70 damage into, you know, an evolving V Pokemon that's going to go into a V Max, right? Because then that means that you aren't going to need as many
1: of your power tablets. I mean, it just makes sense to me. I don't know. I don't know. Let me know what you think. So that is the power rankings, our tier list for
0: today. Thank you guys all so much for listening. We appreciate the listenership. If you wouldn't mind, you're already here on Spotify, iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts, please go down below and leave us a comment. Rate the podcast, review the podcast. It helps us out so much. It'd be awesome to get to seventy-five reviews on the podcast on iTunes. That'd be just a, a great thing. It maybe even a hundred. I, I think that'd just be a really good goal for us to hit here over the next few months. But thank you all so much for listening. We appreciate you guys more than you know. Riley and I talk about this community of listeners, and we're just so thankful that um We've kind of carved out this little niche. So thank you guys all so much for listening. Coming back week after week. Growing the podcast. If you want to talk a little bit more. About what you heard today. You can hop on over to my Twitter. Riley's Twitter. Or the Tag Team Podcast Twitter. That's at Tag Team Pokemon. On Twitter for the podcast. That's at Smiles with Riles. real John Walter for myself. You can find me on my Twitch stream, twitch.tv slash FlexDaddyRighteous. And we normally stream the podcast over at twitch.tv slash Munner. That's Riley's Twitch channel.
1: So that's going to be all for me today, guys. Thank you so much for listening. This has been Tag Team, and I'll catch you next week. Peace.